Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. That's AJ back in the studio. I'm Rudo. That's Megan. We, uh, well, a lot of things to get to. Next week, we're going to be revealing our top 15 greatest abs of all time. But that will not be today. That's coming later. Today, we're going to be talking about the couple of guys that maybe deserve to be on that list, but didn't quite make it. Uh, so I'm sure everyone will be perfectly happy with our decisions and that we got everything completely right. Surely there will be a unanimous <laughs> agreement amongst the fan base. We barely even came to an agreement ourselves. So dissenting, dissenting opinions are not really ever found on the internet. Not so. once, no. I'm I'm looking forward to everybody receiving that list with grace and positivity. Definitely hallmarks of the internet. <laughs> uh, the other thing today, though, well, I guess yesterday, really, the Avs signed their first PTO of the off season that we know of. That we know of in Peter Holland, who is a 32 year old forward. That hasn't played in the NHL since 2018. He's played in Russia and Europe over the last couple of years. He retired and then was maybe planning a comeback last year, but then didn't. And now is on a PTO with the abs. I can you explain this? <laughs> the only thing I can think of. Well, and. We were talking about how this is still very unusual, despite what I'm about to say. It's still very unusual because he did retire from the game, citing a loss of passion for it, which is concerning. And some of it, I think, stemmed from the last experience in the NHL being what lost passion for him. And so it's possible that in some time since playing overseas, Maybe some passion was reignited, but they're still concerned that he doesn't play last season and only 15 games before that. That's just someone who hasn't been in gameplay in a long time. So I wanted to point out how unusual that part of it is because you certainly hope that the passion for the game has been reborn somewhere along the way. It's yeah. going to be very important. But the reason it could potentially make some amount of sense is with the injury to Chris Wagner this summer, and preseason, I'm wondering if Wagner was originally penciled in to play a lot of preseason games alongside some of the young rookie players. And because he won't be available for that, they're looking for a body to get on the ice as a veteran presence in those games to meet the limit so that maybe he some does of count. the he would count NHL full-timers yep. don't have to be in those games. They're, they're meeting <laughs> the qualifications, and maybe this was originally Chris Wagner's job, and he won't be able to do that in preseason which sounds really mean, and I don't want to suggest that there isn't actually any other plan beyond that for him, but it is an otherwise very unusual call. Uh, I might suggest that there might not be anything more than that to this. Um, it's a, I really don't see how Holland would make any sense on the Avalanche roster. Maybe maybe there's a world where he's a tweener AHL guy or something if he puts it together and still has solid ability. But, I mean, there's a reason this dude was never really a full-time regular in the NHL and very quickly ended up over in Europe. Not that he's a bad player. I think looking at their statistics, he probably 
would make more sense in that role than a Chris Wagner, even if, if Wagner was healthy. Now Wagner probably fills a grinder role a little bit better. But I don't have any expectations here. If, if the Avs get anything out of Peter Holland, great. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm curious. Like, obviously, we were expect we're expecting PTOs. We're ex- I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. certainly expecting a few more. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if this is a signal that they're done with Curtis McDermott at forward, because and we've talked about how the depth of their of their forward core is still shaky, but between Ben Myers, Frederick Olofsson the impending arrival someday of Nikolai Kovalenko, um, Chris Wagner, um, Riley Tufty, you know, some of these other guys that they have gone out and got, you know, and, and then you do still have Jean-Luc Foody and Oscar Olausen are yep. s- still part of the organization, going to be in the AHL, maybe NHL. Like, I'm wondering if they, they continue to look for these guys that they think might be able to help them specifically at the bottom of their roster because they are done messing with this Curtis McDermott dual role thing. And they're saying he struggled so much last year. Let's just let him play one job. And they want to continue to look and the I get that aspect of it. The the as Megan mentioned, the really weird part of this is Holland himself. Yeah. Who was a fine depth guy during his NHL tenure and then was an unspectacular Europe player over in Europe. Yep. And then was done. And it's like, okay, you know, a pretty normal thing for a guy to walk away. A guy, a, a guy in his early 30s to walk away when it looks like his the rest of his career will be played overseas. Not, this is not an unusual thing. Yeah. It's weird to see this aspect of it where it's like <laughs> he's getting a PTO for an NHL team and not just an NHL team, but, but one, one that yeah. fancies itself as a pretty competitive club. So it's a it's a real oddity. And he rocketed up my list of like training camp curiosities. Um, always the, the PTO guys are always that way because you're like, they're, they're literally playing for the a right job. to just yeah. stick at all. Yep. But um, they also, the ads also have a track record of a long track record now <laughs> of not just giving out PTOs, but giving their PTOs deals. There so are a, I do wonder there are about a number a guy they like, haven't given deals to as well. Oh yeah, there sure. are a lot. There are a lot of guys that they haven't given uh, more guys that they haven't given deals to than they have. But when we were when we've all been talking about all summer, well, we expect them to give out a PTO or two. That is with the expectation that they're doing it seriously. Yeah, you know, and I am I am curious about the veteran minimum. I also don't know. Um, I there have been a couple of games in the preseason where they just didn't in yeah. my tenure covering the Avalanche where they didn't hit that minimum and nothing happened, and so it was like, why have this rule? You know. Um, but I do wonder, like having having veteran guys for PTOs around does mean that you can sit more of your regulars, especially for the travel. You know, <laughs> going going to uh, a Dallas or a Minnesota in the preseason where you know that those guys are like your veterans, you know, Kale McCars and such are going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Because of what you just said too, about the Curtis McDermott role, I wonder if there would be some reluctance to have young players like Olison and Tufty as the extra at points throughout the season, not playing in games versus 
maybe there's more comfort having someone like Holland as the extra not getting in games and Tufty yeah. and Olofsson are at least getting regular ice time in Loveland. Kind of similar to what we saw with Ben Myers, who wouldn't necessarily have the worst possible game, and they certainly could have used him, but sent him to Loveland to yeah. get regular ice time. I wonder if that is what might also motivate them to keep Holland as the 13th forward. I think that's great in theory. I have to be convinced that Peter Holland is good enough to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I won't get carried away. Consider it a Holland McDermott role generally. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, a guy like this, certainly we're not talking about, oh, he's going to be on your third line because mm -hmm. if that guy's on your third line, you're pretty uncomfortable. You're not, your roster's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, like you, you're really, you know, he's either had a wonderful preseason uh, and training camp in Hull, uh, or, or you really had some bad evaluation of guys like Ben Myers and Frederick Olofsson and, yeah. um, you know, Riley Tufty and the Chris Wagner getting hurt over the summer is not bad evaluation. It's just bad luck. Very bad so, luck. So great. It's begun already. Get so, it out. That, that counts as part of last season's. All right. Yeah. 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 I the, mean, the, 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 the new season starts on September 1st. Look, the clock turned it's over fine. on July 1st. All right. No, that's when no, September 1st is when it, it turned over. It was early over. July. I don't know how early. <laughs> clock hit July 1st. And yeah, July. <laughs> Chris, Chris Wagner banged his knee on the side of a coffee table and got hurt. And it was like, welcome, that's last welcome back problem. to Colorado, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do think with, with Holland, like you are talking about a really limited, like what, 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 what could even be the expectation here? And so having him as your 13th guy where you could say, oh, we would rather see a Ben Myers continue to get ice time in Loveland on a regular basis. Um, you know, with Olofsson, you're still going to have you're going to have the contention of waivers, yeah. which, you know, maybe we see we, we talk about waivers like it's this big, scary thing every as year. Teams don't send and, 10 guys down yeah, at the and, start and of every season. These yeah. guys that it's like people get convinced like there's no way they're going to make it through. And these guys pass through waivers four times in a season, you know? Yeah. But you never know where one when one team really likes a guy. Because look at look at the abs with Frederick Olofsson himself. Yeah. The first thing they did in the offseason was trade for him. Yeah. Yeah. Anaheim and Megna. Still not <laughs> sure how, why that happened, I'm, but it did, and I'll never be the same. <laughs> I, I will forever be convinced that was purely out of spite. spite. Yep. Between that was purely two organizations that don't like each other. One that wasn't taking its season seriously and was just like, nah. Between that and the the JoJo claim by Florida a couple of years right. ago, the Avs get spite claimed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that and we that was definitely a spite. Claim. Yeah, and then they saw him play and they were like, God, come on. <laughs> anyway, it's. Uh, as AJ kind of mentioned, I do expect to see one or two more PTOs for the Avs before we get to training camp season. I'm hoping that one of them, at least one of them, is a guy that we have some hope for. Well, well like a guy that one of the guys that we've talked about as, you know, like the Danton Heinens of there. the world sure, where we're sure. like, this guy's been in the NHL recently, has shown some acumen <laughs> in this league. It has not been five years of what you've been up to, you know? He's one season from an 18-goal season. That's not bad. Yeah, that's a lot more reasonable than four years out of the NHL. That's uh, really five because he didn't play last year. Yeah, not four full seasons. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyway. I mean, it's one thing if a guy's getting reps in Europe and they could. Guys come back all the time. Sure. 
They're usually not very good. They don't but... usually retire. Yeah. <laughs> and then show up on a on a team's radar at 32 years old. So let, let me ask you this. Weirder claim for a PTO. Peter Holland in Colorado mm. or Carolina giving Nathan Bolio a PTO to be their ninth defenseman? Yeah, I don't know what is. Uh, I there's either a serious injury that they have not announced in Carolina, or two of them, uh, or they are very comfortable with the idea that they're going to move a couple guys. Otherwise, they're doing all this, and teams are just going to be like, "Thanks for the easy waiver claim." Yeah, I don't understand. Like right now, is is Carolina's defense not the one that you are looking at primarily to harvest something? Exactly, off of, you're yeah. just waiting for them to make a decision. You're like, we're not going to claim other dudes. We're just going to wait. There's no way they carry eight defensemen, right? Like, have we seen anybody just seriously carry eight defensemen? Or eight, like, legit defensemen, not right. not the borderline fringy Two guys. Two of those dudes in the press box are not going to be happy with their <laughs> role. Right. Like, like they, might, they might be like, oh, you know, they're going to say all the right things. But by the end of November, you're going to have a problem on your hands. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they make it work, to be yeah. honest. So, and, you know, certainly they can keep Nathan Bullio. Like, <laughs> no interest in him. He's <laughs> never been very good. All right. Tell me how you really feel. I, he just hasn't been, man. He's I, got a, I he's, don't disagree. If he hadn't been a first round pick, I don't know that he would have as many NHL games as he did. Well, there you have it. It's in, That's an interesting dynamic <laughs> because guys get NHL games because they were a first round pick. And then they get other jobs because they have NHL games. Because, oh, he's always experienced. Oh, he's, you know, he's this. He's all, all these other things come into it. And it's just like, is he any good? It's not and about in, that. In Nathan Bullio's case, he's just really low-end depth defenseman. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, we're brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ, you actually follow college football some. Yep, a little bit. Should I bet on anyone that isn't Alabama this year? I mean, Georgia's two-time champs. Should I bet on Georgia? I don't know. I'm. I'd be curious what the uh, Alabama numbers look like because everybody's kind of kind of down on the, relatively speaking. Sure. Down on what you know they're replacing a quarterback who's maybe has not moved the needle a lot um, so far. I mean, I'll look. All I know is. They aren't dealing with a conference that is either massively expanding or imploding. So that's got to help a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's just the best conference in the sport. Yeah. Well, that's what you get when you're Alabama. Yeah. Anyway, whoever you think is the favorites when it comes to college football, you can bet on them with DraftKings. When you go over to DraftKings and you sign up with the DNVR code for a new account, you get $200 in bonus bets right away when you bet five dollars on any college football bet you don't have to get the bet right you just got to put five dollars on a college football bet and you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets that you can use tons of different options tons of different games i've look i we know there's a million prime timers out here in the dnvr universe now so Yo, i was in lincoln yesterday morning and a dude talked shit to me because he saw my colorado plate no he was talking shit to me about the buffs and i was like Buddy, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Yeah, I was like, you've missed this mark so badly, sir. Also, win a game. Yeah, try beating the Buffs. Like it's been, 
An RK, I think, has the number like it's tattooed like some onto him. absurd amount of days. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like 6,000 some days or whatever since <laughs> Nebraska last week, Colorado. So maybe just tone it down there, Chief. There you go. If you want to dunk on Nebraska, another option with DraftKings Sportsbook. Like, like the rest of the Big Ten. Hey, get those $200 in bonus bets with the DNVR code. Sign up for a new account. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, all games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state specific Specific responsible gambling resources bonus bet expires seven days after insurer issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. I like to believe that you practice that at home and Mrs. Rudo is not a fan. <laughs> you believe what you want to believe. I believe I got through it. Uh, also brought to you by Illegal Pete's. 11 different locations here in Colorado with fantastic burritos. Go get yourself some fantastic fresh food their queso mwah, absolutely delicious uh there's one just a couple blocks down from the dnvr bar so a great place to hit up get yourself a little pre-game food their happy hours from 3 to 8 p.m so you can snag a margarita do all that good stuff and then you can come on down to the bar nuggets doing their uh their live show this friday down in the bar so if you want to come hang out with those folks. signing too yeah there you go so great great chance to go get uh get some illegal pizza and come enjoy the nug show Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Let's actually get into the conversation. You don't want to talk about Evan Bouchard's new contract? <sighs> Do I have to? Maybe tomorrow. Okay, there we go. Uh, and now I feel bad that we spent so much time talking about Peter Holland. This is an Av show yeah, at the end of the day. It's August, too. Like Edmonton players can talk to me when they win a playoff game against the Avs, all right? Uh, look. We're going to make some people mad today, I suspect, of the people who didn't quite make the top 15 abs list. Yeah. Yeah. What were you guys thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were we thinking? I don't know. I was looking at it again this morning and I kind of got a little like, oh boy. Well, it was more like, like I was going through, I was like, did we forget anybody that like I felt strongly really should like, be there? Really had to be there. That's every paper that I've was, ever written. I was going to yes. say, the answer is very much yes. And then you reread it after you've turned it in, and you're like, oh, there's some stuff missing here. Bold of you to assume I reread it at all. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I actually learned a long time ago. when I turn it in. If I failed at that point, I've failed, all right? If I reread my stuff, it'll never stop, so. There you go. You I gotta, just can't. You got to call it somewhere. The, obs the obsessive tinkering and the... Oh, this sentence doesn't sound very good. And it's like, there's like 15 people ever that might care about those changes that I made. <laughs> Since I'm not getting a letter grade anymore, I'm just like, just let it ride, baby. It's, it's all good. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, let's start with this conversation. A number of defensemen that almost made this list. Yeah. I, we had those were the toughest omissions for me. Yeah. And obviously, the big one we omitted, if you saw the, the, thumbnail was Ray Bork. We'll get into that. You also have 
right on the edge there, a Sandus Ozelinch. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk yourself into a Tyson Berry. Well, and I think that's an interesting conversation because this we we the criteria that we were given was that we needed to consider um, you know, longevity, impact, importance to the franchise, things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that was where I was uncomfortable leaving Bork off this list was because uh, the impact sky high sure in a year and 20 games it's just a sky high impact but you're talking he was here for a year and 20 games like, yep just wasn't here that long and if you're including his whole career like obviously he's a hall of famer he's well and, and if you were including like who had the best careers of guys who played in a nap sweater? Maybe top three. Well, yeah, like, you would have. I mean, the, it would be way different because uh, Ray Bork and Dale Hunter and Yari Curry were all guys who ap- appeared in Avalanche uniforms. That's true. Yeah, you know, guys that were all all in the Hall of Fame. You know, and uh, but what did they do in Colorado? And Bork, obviously, it was it was really it was hard for me and. He's the one guy that I will take whatever whatever people have to say about disagreeing and where they want to put him on the list. I could I I think it's the he's the guy where you could just say I get it. You know, the if you're a top pairing defenseman on a cup winning team, a dominant cup winning team, you have a pretty good argument to be on a top 15 all-time list. Especially when you're behind guys who were there for a long time, but not a good time. You know, the anti-millennial. Let me ask you this, Megan, because AJ and I were old enough to experience Ray Bork. We were pretty young, but, you know, we were conscious human beings. You were probably a little too young to really experience it. How is Ray Bork viewed from that side? Is it like some weird lore in Avalanche history and that's kind of it? Or <laughs> It's so funny because I don't know if I'm normal, so... I don't know if how I experienced Bork retroactively is what other people like me would also relate to because it had a pretty big impact on me. Like when I was a freshman at DU, I wanted to have wall art and one of the pieces of wall art I had was Ray Bork lifting the cup and the other was a pair of cowboy boots. And I feel like those are two (laughs) things when Megan you think of Megan, natural. those are the, the, would, the I, two I, things, I Ray would, Bork and Cowboy Boots. Not, Megan was not on my list of people who had fat heads on their dorm walls. <laughs> <coughs> and, those, and so it's funny that those are sort of the two things that became symbols of what I am, who I am. And the reason it stands out even retroactively is such an important story is because of how the team received him in that moment and the importance to his team in the order of which the cup is yeah. presented to him in such a short while to have that kind of impact on the people who are chasing that cup altogether leaves a lasting impression on someone like me. Peter Forsberg was almost named Ray Berg. <laughs> <laughs> That's another, another piece of information for you to have. And it, it's just because I can appreciate important pieces of Av's history, even retroactively. And It's like AJ mentioned, some of the difficult decisions in making relates to longevity a little bit. And I think that's where he was harmed because the impact in the time that he was in Colorado, though short, was huge. He helped them to capture the division, nearly had game seven for them then, and then game three when it actually came time in 
the cup winning year. Those are really important moments that if they don't happen, you don't know that that is a cup winning team that year. And we're looking at a team that has now only won two Stanley Cups in my lifetime. It's a really different story. I still think that the 15 that are there belong there, but he absolutely had an impact even on the baby Avalanche fans who came about in the 2010s and beyond. It's really weird to leave a guy off a top 15 list who produced such an iconic moment in that sweater. And that's and and, and that was where I was I was uncomfortable with um, like some of the guys, some of the other guys that we, we talk about, you know, Cody McLeod's not on that list, but he was a guy who played in Colorado forever. It's, and I think you could, those you could conversations make an argument. Are tough. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was he was so important as like a core abs guy for such a long time. You know, he was very well respected. He was very well liked by the fan base, but he was never an important player yeah, on a good there, team. He was not. There was not greatness there. Yeah, and and it was uh, you know, and his his best season was his rookie season. Yep, and it's a uh, it's it's just one of those things. A guy like Cody McLeod, I think, was an easier omission. But when you're talking about like top fifteen, like in Avs history, where you know, you could find space for a guy that that played in played in Colorado for so long, even if he was just more of a, uh, you know, just a role player, but but was so popular among the fan base. Yep. But we didn't even really have a discussion about it because I think it just the abs. The abs have been very fortunate. They did. They just <laughs> have been too good. If it was a top 25, maybe you start having that conversation. Yeah, if, if they hadn't had the recent era that they that, did. Like, if we, ten more spots. if we did this <laughs> list five years ago, it would have yeah. looked quite a bit that's different. True. So, that's very true. You know, especially because like a, the number 15 on our list that sneaks onto yeah. it. Yeah. You it's, know, is like spoiler alert, it's from this era. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's also where we can, you know, Ray Bork obviously is he's the thumbnail. He's kind of the big, biggest name. Yep. But not the only defenseman that gets snubbed. Yep. Sandus Ozilinch was fantastic yep. in his Colorado tenure. And was the offensive defenseman that all the others tried to live up to. He set the bar in terms of scoring points until Kale McCarr showed up. And when Tyson, and then the other one, Tyson Berry, had the career number. Yeah, Because he was here exactly, for a long time. Yeah. He had the longevity and the production. But again, was, uh, you know, similarly to some of the guys near our, the bottom of our list, um, did not, was not like a big part of really good teams and then on the flip side of that eric johnson yeah does not make the list it really hurt to leave him off it does because his his evaluation on that list continues to be hard exactly how to because there's such a this could have been so much better had yep. he stayed healthy had they maybe done a little more when he was Built an impact guy team around him yeah. because you know he was obviously a part of the cup team but he was a hard depth guy by that point yep and that was a that, that for me the eric johnson question sat with me a lot when we were talking through the list and i was like i i just didn't know what to do with him where barry was oh he had the he had the points record and so that yeah. felt like a you're gonna leave off a guy that held like a, a like a semi-major record for a franchise, 
and, and he couldn't make it because there were just too many other good Unfortunately, dudes. every defensive record is kind of meaningless in Colorado well, right it now. Wasn't, it but... wasn't such a prolific number. It, right. wasn't such a, it wasn't such a great accomplishment that McCarr's literally going know? to catch that this coming season. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like the other guys are chasing like Sackick and Hayduke Which stuff, is ridiculous you know? numbers, and, yeah. And those are like, you guys have had longevity and extended periods of greatness with very... You know, but yeah, but Makar in five years will have tracked that thing down. Yeah. And that's that's why Barry doesn't make it. But I will say the EJ one is always going to be. It's tough. That was a that was a hard one to not have on there because, you know, he is he's also a fan favorite, but he was like like Cody McCall, but he was way better in his prime. And it's not necessarily his fault that the team around him wasn't as good. So let me ask you guys this. I I won't put them in order, but rank. If we were taking the list to twenty, what order do Bork, Barry, EJ, and Oza Lynch come in? They might be my. They might be my like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, because those were the omissions that hurt the most. Um, outside of I, one, forward. I'm sure you'd have probably Bork at sixteen. I mean, between it would be Bork or EJ. Okay. Like, I think would be the one that I really um, that I felt strongest about. Megan, which one? I think what AJ just alluded to about one forward is where I am finding the sticky points in like the after fifteen point with Chris okay. Drury needing yep. to be yeah yeah sixteen in my eyes. That's, I think Maybe. that's a fair shout. Yeah, Ray Bork's right there in the sixteen seventeen conversation, but. Drury is a tough one to be left off this yeah. list, but obviously that's a completely different <laughs> conversation. Which we'll have. Well, I just, with, when it comes to Chris Drury, I just wish you guys could have, like, lived through that. I, I do, I too. Did. That would have been... I mean, you know, like, I wish I'd been an adult for adult. even for the Chris yeah, Drury totally. stuff. I like, get what you're saying. I was, I was old enough at that point. You know, when you're, when you're eight, sports look one way, and mm. when you're 13, 14... Mm, they look very different. They've yeah. changed quite a bit, and... Um, with Drury, like it was, he was a fan favorite. His postseason uh, performance, like he was, he was such a good postseason player. Yep. And um, they don't win 2001 Cup without without, without some of the special moments that he produced along the way. You know, particularly when they went to New Jersey, down three two. You know, he was so big for them um, that leaving Chris Drury off was tough, especially. Some of the forwards that we had at the bottom of this 15 were really good players yeah. who happened to be in Colorado for quite a while. Had they had 10 years that were more in line with how long Drury was around, uh, yeah, I would have been like, no, Chris Drury can't He's better. be left yeah. off this. Um, instead, it was just, it was, Chris, Chris Drury was so important to that old one team. And he was really, really good. It's, it had... Even I know you said five years ago, but honestly, the 2022 Cup run has made this list a lot harder to discern. Yeah, who deserves to be in and out? Yeah, I mean, guys from this era that are on on our that made the list. There's what four, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I'm forgetting one then, but. <sighs> I think, yeah, five. There's five. Yeah, you're talking about a third of our list. Yep. Came from came from just this era of Avalanche. Yep. 
the last half decade. Yeah. And basically no one made it from the the 2010s, the early part of the 2010s. I mean, a couple did, but that's it. Yeah, one. No, there at least really, there's three. Let's. I'll take your word for it. Anyway, there's three. Mm-hmm. I can't count. Apparently, <laughs> they come all right in a row. So goalies don't count. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was the only one I got. Really? That was the goalie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you remember the list, the two guys immediately after him. So. I clearly don't remember yeah. the list. <laughs> um, I mean, I couldn't figure out how many guys were from this era. So we're just bad at this. Wait. But Do math you know, on that, air, they told me those those omissions like, you know, there were there were other guys who had like great runs in Colorado, like like brief runs or were important. Yep. John you Michael know. Lyles was in the yeah. chat. Yeah, John yep. Michael Lyles. Um, you know, was, I wonder if Stefan Yell makes the list like he yep. doesn't. But like there were some really good depth guys that meant a lot in Avalanche history to the teams that they were on um, that won't be on this list. You know, and that's where. That's where those guys, Cody McLeod, Stefan Yell, those guys in the top 25, yeah. start really start finding You start home. having more team impact than actual, like, how good yeah, was like this Yeah, like, how player? good was this yeah. guy, you know, Stefan Yell being around for uh, as long as he was and being one of the really good three, four Cs in the NHL at the time. Yep. You know, and then defensive defensemen are all, always going to be tricky, you know. Where do you... Where do you find a home for, you know, Alexei Gusarov on something like this? You know, it's those those dudes are. It's funny because it's it's easier to to place a higher value in offense first players over defense first players unless they are like that good, really, 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 really yeah. good defensive players. Um, like a guy like Stefan Yell was, but because he played forward, you know, if you're a really good defensive defenseman. You, know, you look at like if, if the Minnesota Wild made this list, you know, Jonas Brodeen is like one of their best yeah. players in franchise history. Yeah. Him and, and Suter are like the two defensemen that make it probably. Uh, Jared Spurgeon would too. Yeah, fair. But Jared Spurgeon's also done like he's produced quite a bit of points. And yeah. That was the thing with Suter too. Like those were two good two way guys. Yeah, for sure. Brodeen's always been like a low point total. And the Avs haven't really had like a. Outside of outside of the obvious Adam Foot, yeah, they haven't say. had like that like really like obvious like the the this guy's a great defender that sticks around for a long time. Uh, uh, there's another conversation I want to get into, but before we do, we are brought to you by Bacchus and Shanker. You can call two 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 today. If someone has forgotten who's on your list, they I'm can gonna take look care at it. Of it. I need to look at it. I, I just did. That's I what I was it. like. I have. I'm yeah. cheating. <laughs> I I just looked it up too, uh, but. Seriously, if you have been injured and it's not your fault, whether it's a car accident, if you were injured at work, if some freak thing happened to you, you can go to Bacchus and Shanker <laughs> at coloradolaw.net or the two number to get what you deserve. Either way, they'll give you a free consultation no matter what. And if they think you have a case, they will take your case on for nothing. You don't pay these guys until you win your case. <laughs> they just want to get you what you deserve. 25 plus years doing it here in Colorado. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients in that time. So they are very good at getting you that money. Hit the two number. Go to coloradolaw.net. Get them hooked up. Get your free consultation. Go win some money for yourself. The guy that I forgot was nine. 
Nine. Yeah. I see. I forgot fourteen. Oh, okay. He was like the ultimate in between era dude. Yeah, for real. So anyway. uh, and also. If you're blind like me, I mean, I, I don't, Shady Rays, I don't think they have prescription sunglasses, so. Yeah, they do. They don't, okay, then get your Shady Rays if you're blind like me. Problem yep. solved. I was actually going to order mine this week. There you go. Yeah. Just another option from Shady Rays, who has dozens of different styles, polarizations, all of that good stuff. Rated five stars by over 250,000 people. And when you use code DNVR, when you buy it from ShadyRays.com, and you get two pairs or more, you get 50% off your order. That's basically buy one, get one free. So go check them out. Go get the good sunglasses. Go with Shady Rays. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I wanted to shift a little bit more towards Megan's era, and I wanted to have a conversation about Ryan O'Reilly. Goo goo gaga. (laughs) (laughs) You said that, not me. All right. Uh, but oh my gosh! How do you rank someone like a Ryan O'Reilly on this list? Who was very good in Colorado, but didn't really have his greatness until much later after he left. Does he get any credit for his time after Colorado, or is it just no? Well, I think in how we think of him as a player on the whole, certainly, but. It's what made some of the players that did make this list very similar is their time in Colorado. Well, in hindsight, some of it was their best, but wasn't projected to be their best. (laughs) Yikes. But all of these players, the O'Reilly's and the other players that did make this list were victim to a really difficult period of avalanche hockey. True. I feel like he does, you know, it's one, two, three, and he's three in that list. Or actually four. He's four in that list of then players from this era. Just honestly, I feel like it's a timing thing. Um, Because obviously the impact he had while in Colorado, he was literally nicknamed the factor because of the influence that he could have on the course of a game and the work ethic demonstrated here. Those are all things that are really significant. And he also had a lot of opportunity here um, that I don't think he didn't even necessarily seize. It just, he was able to hold a bigger role moving on, getting captaincy in St. Louis. And I think that's where things really took off um, when that point in his career happened. Yeah. I pretend the, the Buffalo point. I think we can all just didn't happen. ignore that part yeah, of his that, career. That's, that's a, I don't know, a big, that's not a time, but. <laughs> I think I think O'Reilly would have had. Um, I think O'Reilly would be looked at the same as Chris Drury is looked at, had there been postseason success. Okay. And Drury would be looked at the same as O'Reilly is looked at, had Drury not had postseason success. Okay. Because O'Reilly didn't even really get a chance. Hey, he scored that one goal. Yeah. Technically, he barely he touched did that technically one. Technically, touch. Yeah. But like he was, he was an 18-year-old second-round pick rookie that made the league. Yeah. yeah. And, and on a surprise playoff team, and then that was it. He did not, you know, the, was was not part of any of the in any of a part of a Avalanche team that actually won a round. It's true. So, um, you know, you you look at I, I, they were such similar players. You know the the two way acumen that they were really good, uh, really good players that hadn't yet developed into the elite players 
that they would briefly be. Because I think the, the, the year that, they, that St. Louis won the Cup, I would say O'Reilly was an elite two-way player. Yep. He basically had an 80-point season and was, you know, uh, he's always been such a good defensive yeah. forward. Um, and that's, you know, we saw Drury when he, when he went, oddly enough, to Buffalo. <laughs> we saw his offense take such a big leap there. Yep. That, um, it, you know, and, and it's always stood out as one of the big mistakes. For sure. Uh, was dealing him and not building around, you know, uh, how, how different is av the Avalanche era from 2002 to 2009 if Chris Drury is there behind Joe Sackick on a consistent basis in that era of Avalanche hockey? And, you know, they, maybe they still end up with Paul Stasny, and Stasny ends up as, as, you know, they end up with Stasny and Drury and Sackick. And, like, there's a transition into that into a different era of avalanche hockey that could look, could have looked very different. But with O'Reilly specifically, I think he got good and wanted to get paid in the avalanche. You know, they had the Matt Duchesne one to one. one. Get paid you guys showed up at guy, the same yeah. time. Um, you've been outplayed by this guy through the first three for your ELC through your ELCs. You were significantly outproduced. Um, the one year that that was not the case, Dutchie was hurt. You know, and and it took a while for O'Reilly to kind of get to that level. But with Duchesne, you know, he was really the guy there, and it, it kind of pushed O'Reilly out. Um, and and I think that that robbed Abs fans and O'Reilly of an opportunity for him to cement that kind of a legacy here. Yeah, I I agree. I if it were up to me, I essentially discounted his future career almost entirely but i did want to have that conversation uh eh, anyway i did also want to bring up goalies i don't think this will be a very long conversation we put two on yeah. the list but there isn't really a third one i would put all that close is it abisher at three um i would say it's probably budai okay um, and that's really more of an indictment of the longevity of Colorado goaltenders. They have because, uh, rotated them very quickly. Yeah, because yeah. guys who had really good individual seasons, you know, maybe one or two of them in Colorado. We've had Alexander Georgiev had a good year. Obviously, Darcy Kemper had a great year, won a Stanley Cup. Grubauer had some super Grubauer solid had a couple years. of solid yeah. years. Um, David Abisher had the one really good year. Yep. Um, Jose Teodor had his final, his swan song in Colorado was pretty good. Yep. Especially in the postseason that year. Uh, and then, you know, Peter Budai had some longevity. Pre Wa, there wasn't really a chance for Stefan Fisse to, to do to much. Some, yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> Going from October through December, not a lot of time uh, to get put on a list like that. And so go goalies are really like, it's there's two there's two guys so far ahead of the rest that I, it wasn't even a thought for me. Fair enough. I, I'm i not going to argue on hey, that one. Hey, if we I... made a top 30 list, you could definitely have a, um, where does Darcy Kemper, one great year yeah. where he backstops a to cup the team. cup. Yeah. Granted, his postseason was a nightmare, but it was good enough. There were circumstances that were involved, but results are results. The guy backstopped a cup team. Uh, any one I've missed? Anyone you want to add, Megan? No. Okay. Fair enough. I just wanted to throw some respect on Darcy Kemper's name. Oh yeah, of Home course. Home ice advantage through the playoffs 
they sit atop the West in the regular season, thanks to significantly strong play of Kemper, even though the postseason and the very weird eye injury were bad. That it, strong regular yeah. season play did help them in their cup run. Obviously different tiers here, but you run into the same problem you run into with Ray Bork, right? Wasn't here for yeah. long so enough small. to really. So small. Yeah. The big thing there is, is Kemper, you know, yeah, he was the number one goalie yep. for a cup team. And the second half of his Stanley cup final was very good. Yeah. Excellent, right. First half was, eh. <laughs> Good and enough. there were some there were some moments yeah. in that cup even like game five you know you yeah. give up that Jan Rudigal and you're like there's no business going you're in like that. bro <laughs> and and like the uh, the game one tying goal from Sergachev from the point yeah where it was like, not a great goal like there were some not great goals scored against him in that final um, and and Pavel Francouz won six games mm-hmm. in in that postseason you you win sixteen games you win a Stanley Cup. Pavel Francouz, forty percent of them. Yeah. The, the Abs could have gotten the played the ultimate flex, played Pavel Francouz in the Cup final, and not had to give up the third round pick because Kemper <laughs> wouldn't have had enough games played on their Cup run. <laughs> like it could have been like they were they were that close to that line in the sand with Kemper, and there was a conversation because you know Kemper didn't play very well because of the eye, and so it wasn't it wasn't. But he his regular season was. So good. Had the, the second the, half yeah, was brilliant. I I don't really that might have been a conversation had the way the Edmonton series played out gone a little bit differently. Yeah, had Francois not gotten But the last two games like, of that Edmonton series, it was like, okay. Yeah, well, and like the, even the first one, you know, Francois comes in in relief and gives up like four goals yeah, or whatever, but yeah. because they'd scored it so many in that matter. game. But he was got all the good. job done. Yeah, the, he did like, look, the W is the W at the end of the day. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and a couple of the games that he won, like the abs, like he wins games where the abs are out shooting the opponent, you know, 45 to 20, 25, and you're like, you really needed to win that game, guy. So uh, let me ask you this yeah, next, man. Megan. Uh, current era, obviously, we already have a bunch of people on this list. Do you think they could get more? Is there anyone currently on the Avs? In my mind, it might be Bowen Byram that could end up on this list down the line. Do you think he can do that? Do you think there's anyone else that could push for that with this current era? Well, Georgiev could be if he's if he sticks around for another contract definitely because his timeline's similar to Bo's and depending on what Bo does next I don't know what their both their careers as abs looks like in totality but also not even longevity with Georgiev if there was some reason that he backstopped the abs to another cup like something went wrong and he needed to uh, has, ends up that with would like be an easy sell for three me. straight 920 seasons or something yeah, yeah that's that would be good. an easy sell for me even in the relatively short time that remains on this current contract you definitely are having the conversation if he if he plays that well um is there a world where someone like Nachushkin sneaks in yeah. Okay. I've got five guys on the current team this year who aren't on this list that I think could get could. on it. That five is a lot. Yeah. The fifth one I think is a big stretch and a lot of projection, but I'm on the feels train about it. So I'm like <laughs> ride it while you're on. Yeah, it. Yeah. So obviously number one on that list is Bowen Byron. Yeah. Um, we I think that he, one's pretty clear. If he ends up 
you know, as as a top pairing defenseman next to Kale McCarr for five to seven years, he's gonna end up. He's gonna get some down ballot Norris votes. Yeah, he's gonna score a lot of points. You know, he's gonna bring that that uh, that kind of alpha male energy, that leading man uh, kind of energy. Sure. You know, yeah. to to the to the ice in the locker room. And I think I think that there's a good chance that if those guys are uh, hanging around, they they could win another cup. I don't. I don't even feel like it's like a big stretch. I, it's no. not. Yeah. I, I think Natushkin is definitely on that list. If okay. he can, if, if he could stay out of any any kind of extracurricular nonsense and yeah. stay healthy, which has been a bit of a sneaky That's issue true. for him. That's true. He stays healthy. Um, that kind of elite two way play. If he's a sixty point guy for the next five Three, four six years, years, yeah. You know, you could definitely start making arguments for him to sneak onto the bottom of this list. Um. Uh, I, uh, same thing I think is true uh, for Arturi Lekkinen. You know, if he, it's a, I mean, if, after if, last year, yeah. If Lekkinen, if Lekkinen is a fifty or sixty point guy for let's just say if, five to seven his, years, he's in Colorado's top six. Well, they win another cup. The the hard work, the two way play, the he's he kind of becomes Colorado's own Chris Kunitz next to Sidney Crosby, where that, it's like, hey, that's yeah. He's you yeah. know, is does his career get made by McKinnon? Uh, or does uh, like a little bit, but he also elevates the, the way McKinnon. when those guys retire, the way the story comes always in the end is like, oh, he was McKinnon's running mate. He was the guy. Who, right. Yeah. You know, it's always been it's always been Miko um, as like, oh, those guys are inseparable, inseparable. And then Miko got too good for that. <laughs> exactly. Miko Miko showed like, hey, we can succeed just fine away from each other. Yeah. And um, Lekkonen, it's not that Lekkonen can't. It's just that I think Lekkonen. Ele- helps elevate Nathan McKinnon so much that if you project long term, if that success sustains, you can have that conversation. Georgiev is on that list. If he sticks and if he continues to play the way that he did uh, this last season, if you have five to seven years of that, he's only 27 years old. It's not an unrealistic thing. It, it's kind of a stretch goal. I, I mean, if you and add, he backstops a cup team, like if you add another contract onto Georgiev's career in Colorado, I think he certainly jumps Peter Budai. I don't know. Oh, I think he jumps all the guys other than the two that make yeah, our exactly. list. Yeah, exactly. If he wins a cup, he jumps into the top fifteen at that yeah, point. Yeah, he definitely yeah. becomes two. So I think those guys have it. And then my my big like stretch guy here is Ross Colton. Where uh, yeah, he would need, you're dreaming big on that. He one, would need to bit. become. <laughs> he would need to become their legit two C. Yep. And and have very 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 productive seasons, uh, and it would have to stick. Yeah. But I think he's going to be a fan favorite, and I think that I think that we are going to see a pretty big year out of him. I hope uh, so. But I, you know, this is a, that's obviously like a shit has gone super well yeah, yeah. um talking about uh, a guy we haven't even said his name on this but a nazim kadri uh, he was someone another, who crossed my mind is another yeah. like complicated case because you could argue they don't win a stanley cup without, without him, him. Yeah. but you can also argue that his dipshittery cost them a stanley cup yeah because if he's available the for the vegas series, series where he doesn't play yeah if they if they get through that vegas series they win the stanley cup they beat tampa I, that year Think you're probably right. They definitely, definitely they win the, the West for come sure. Come out of yeah. that that like zombie West. Yeah, yeah because they would have beat. Uh, they would have had to beat Montreal. Yeah, and that that would have happened. That would have looked a lot like the Tampa versus Montreal. Series. And then yeah, exactly. And then they would have beat. Uh, they would have, in my opinion, they would have beat Tampa that year. 
I think you're right. Um, so I think the world we live like, in. That's where Kadri, it's like, he was obviously so incredible that whole regular season and the postseason. But there were still so many pock marks there that I was just like, I wasn't ready to do it yet. Uh, some other names that you could probably make arguments for. Adam Deadmarsh, Valerie Kaminsky, Alexei Gusarov. Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux. Uh, Andrew Brunette, and you start getting, getting yeah, little, you're way down. I mean, yeah. at that point, you're like you're in Merrick Svato's territory. Yeah, John Michael Lyles, like, are these guys even top tens in their positions? You know, yeah, it gets a little bit tough there. You could have, yeah. obviously, the era is gonna hurt him, but if you're talking more of a Ray Bork full career style, Jerome McGinley did play here for a decent amount of time. Yeah, I left him off of my list of Hall of Fame guys that played in Colorado, or if you consider full career. Yeah, you know Pierre Turgeon. Yep, as well would be there. Yep, number of number of guys like that. So, yeah. Ryan Smith in the Hall of Fame? Uh, no. Okay, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Oh, the, the NHL's lowered the bar so much that I'm actually like not confident. Maybe like, I don't, yeah. I don't even want to say that. <laughs> I would think no, though. His I, numbers I, were like I would also. He was like a no, good player. But... I mean, he was very good for a little while before he came to Colorado. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Not the point. Uh, it's it's interesting. Oh, one other one last name uh, I would like to ask about. If he finishes contract here, where's Sam Gerrard in this? Because by that point, he will have been part of a cup team, but he didn't play for all of the cup run because of the injury. Yeah. If he stays healthy on another cup run... Uh, he I, he probably falls into that top 25 range, I would yeah. assume. Yeah, it still feels like where the Johnny Lyles are. Yeah, I think that decently reasonable. You know, and, and yeah, maybe he rocks up and scores 70 points this year, and we have a different conversation Holy at shit, that if point. If that happens, but. they are winning a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I don't think that will happen, for yeah. the record. But, but it's but. like, what what would it take for him to get on this list? Like... Does he need a string of 40, 50 point seasons? Does if they if they lose Devon Taves and Bowen Byram doesn't stick around, but Gerard does try sneaking into that if 15 he, spot if he, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If he ends up, uh, you know, if, if he continues to be a top three ish guy for them for another half decade. Yeah. If, if he just finishes this contract. Yeah. You know, I'm not even looking at the next contract, but that, um, you know, would he be. Like is where like his his legacy I think will be complicated if he sticks around. Yeah, you know, he never reaches quite the heights that EJ did in like in his prime. But it, I mean, if he was, sticks around, you're he could arguably end up second in most of the Avalanche defensive records. Yeah, his scoring would have to come up a bit to chase down Barry. But he should be in that range. Yeah, but I mean, if he plays five more years, right? You know, exactly. Like, but you know, uh, but yeah, I would agree that uh, he's so far in his career, he's been a better defensive uh, defensive player than Lyles was. Yeah, um, and that's just like a, if if you have a guy that plays in your top four for ten years, you know, and and adds a bunch of points and has postseason success, like that's like Sam you... Gerrard and Eric Johnson. Where yeah, yeah. which guy am I describing? You know, <laughs> so it's a. Uh, uh, that's a that's that's one of those where yeah i'd like to see the leadership quality emerge because like that's what's true of eric johnson and johnny lyles that's is that component true. in yeah. the room and having that value now that could be a quality in gerard that i'm just less familiar with but that this would be a season for it to become really important if yeah. that was something that he carried 
And I think the other thing is, even though I hate it comes down to this, but the moments um, that change the course of something, some kind of event, like we talk about the game-winning goals with Drury, mm. and even Iconic regular season moments for Tyson Berry that he was the player that won the game. Mm, and yeah. I think that with Gerard, that would be what also takes him over the edge is if he could solidify his name alongside a very important moment. So Gerard's the next Yui group confirmed. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about moments here and like, you know, no surprise. Like, I, I think I don't think I'm going to shock anybody when I tell them that Devon Taves makes our list. Oh, yeah. yeah. But like you're talking about a guy who you know, we'll get way more into this when we actually reveal the whole list or whatever. But like, that's a guy that has been at the peak of his abilities. Yep. He's been near the peak of the NHL's abilities. Yep. He's produced. He was a top pairing dude on a cup winning team and he produced big moments. Yes. Big moments uh, that, that you can easily point to. What's your, what are your top five Sam Gerard moments off the top of your head? Uh, game 82, he scored the first goal of that game, and then it gets tough after that. For me, the second one on that list is he had this, like, awesome spinorama, and then he picked a corner in San Jose. And then after was that, that the one he, like, a, walked in in San Jose, right? It's yeah. A, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it's a, it's, after that, it's a collection of spin moves where yeah. you, you zoom the one in Buffalo or whatever Buffalo forward it was that just had his ankles broken. And he went into the boards really hard. Yeah. And like, it's like silly stuff like that. It really speaks to Megan's point. There needs to be another. You can find bigger Josh Manson moments than Sam I Gerard moments fair. right now. Yeah. Like iconic Josh Manson moments. That, yeah, but that, Josh Manson jumped into Sam Gerard's arms after he scored that goal. All right. That was, that's actually a great memory. <laughs> Maybe the most impressive part is that Sam Gerard caught actually, him. God didn't fall over. <laughs> Fighting to bring guys. Yeah, that's a fair point, Brad. I would, I would say, I would even expand it to the 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 bullying of of Alex <laughs> DeBrincat that took that has taken place in Sam Gerard's career. Yep. So needs an iconic moment. Needs to stick around. Needs to produce a lot of points. A healthy, real postseason run, I think, would do yeah, a lot right, for him. Yeah, because he was robbed of that because of the injury. Yep. I, yeah, I do believe in that. What was it game three of, of the St. Louis series? series? Yeah, the first period. Yeah, it's like ninety seconds into game three. Uh, you're you're in the sixth out of twenty. What would be twenty playoff games? You just never got that chance. Yep. So, and you know, you look at obviously we're not going to look back super fondly on the Seattle series. Yeah, he was really good in that series. He was. I, I want to say really steady. In that series, on a team that was there was no so steadiness, <laughs> no steadiness. <laughs> so up and down. Sam Gerard was one of the few, uh, like, steadying forces, and I just think uh, he's got he's a guy that I guess you know. Uh, scroll, we'll say we'll, I'll put six. Okay, a lot would have to go right to even get half of those guys on there. Yeah, but you can at least envision like a, a world like, where it happens. Are, are yeah. we talking about are we talking about any chance that it's Miles Wood or Ryan Johansson? Like, no, not right now. Something crazy would have to take place. Yep. Nikolai uh, Kovalenko. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now you're really dreaming. John Luke Foody. Put Guyev yeah, on there. Yeah. I thought about it. Where I was like, because when you were asking her the question of like. Oh, you know, what do you envision? And I was like, man, Guliev is going to be a good fit in Colorado. 
going to be fun. Uh, we are going to wrap up our show here. It's almost noon our time, so we do got to get out of here. Appreciate everyone hanging out with us, talking about some of the guys who didn't quite make it. Uh, like I said, next week we're going to reveal the whole list and we're going to go head-to-head with some of the other sports in Denver. Yeah. See where uh, some of the Avs players end up on the all-time list. We appreciate you. We will see you tomorrow.